Welcome back to Sidebox Skyline Podcast. Uh, on this episode today, uh, I've got my good friend Bill Riley, Hello. and uh, we're going to be telling stories. We're on a road trip today. Um, the uh, the bank of episodes uh, ran out, so we have to go to Peterborough to gather a few more episodes for the podcast. So uh, nothing like a road trip uh, to uh, fill our time and uh, get some great content for the podcast. So um, absolutely, shall we get in the car and go? Let's go. All right, let's do it. So. Back at the end of uh, 2019, as the idea for the podcast uh, began to emerge, uh, there was a critical conversation with uh, Bill Riley and myself and uh, a couple other people when we said, uh, hey, why don't we do a podcast? And uh, I'd had the idea perking in my heart for a while that uh, there was a lot of things that God was doing in Canadian cities, and it would be great to start to gather some of those stories. So, um, Bill, um, I'm gonna just move the camera over here, so we'll see if you can drive and talk at the same time. <laughs> um, let's uh, maybe just go back a little bit and uh, talk about uh, how we first met uh, Bill. What, 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 what's your rec- recollection of how we met, and, and then I'll correct you. <laughs> <laughs> so should I add entertainment value or? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. um, I was involved with uh, Christian athlete hockey camps and um, had worked a couple of camps, a number of camps actually in uh, Windsor or in uh, London and in Waterloo. and. Um, when I moved to Windsor, um, I was asked to open a camp in Windsor, and um, with the Christian hockey camps, they're wonderful. I mean, they're a great way to uh, for hockey players who never darken a church's door to get to know uh, what Christ is all about, and we've had uh, great success leading hockey players to the Lord. So I was asked to open a camp in Windsor. Um, having moved to Windsor with a television station. And so uh, it was basically a Windsor-Detroit camp. And I loved the camp. I love everything it stood for. The thing that really bugged me was, um, you know, at chapel time, they wanted church music. And that's fine for old people like me, but young kids who have never been in a church, they don't recognize it. They don't get it. And they, they... they dislike it and so I was looking for a band that uh, a Christian band that could do chapel for us and I was actually talking uh, with my friend Mark Gilman who was on the Detroit Christian radio station and um, he said there's a guy in Windsor a pastor who has a band called Two Fish and he said they're really really good and I think you should give him a call so Long story short, called Kevin. We had a uh, stir fry lunch together, and I said, "How much would you charge me to do uh, chapel time at our our Christian athlete hockey camp?" And he said, "Nothing." I said, "Okay, it's a deal." So uh, that's where Kevin and I met, and uh, it was uh, well, we call it God math. Um, 
our camp was really successful. We had a lot of kids uh, turn their lives over to Christ. And um, then, you know, as Kevin and I got to know each other, um, I wandered over to New Song Church and uh, they held me hostage for 20 some odd years. Uh, I started actually working with the, the youth and um, that's the uh, that's the Coles notes of uh, how we got together. Yeah, so that was uh, about 20 years ago, and uh, uh, you know it's 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 funny how God works because um, you've you've been a, a, a an athlete from the time you were a kid in school. Um, you had uh, kids in hockey and baseball, your own kids. Now your grandkids, uh, some of them are uh, sports minded. You. You're, you're a sports nut, yeah. and I am the farthest thing from a sports nut. Uh, so the idea of a, a hockey camp has very little appeal to me personally, but the opportunity to um, uh, try something uh, new and, and to, to bring music uh, to, to the youth at that time, uh, that, was, that, was, uh, that was why I... I didn't hesitate to say absolutely let's do this yeah and uh, and I think that's that's something that um, you know uh, being if, if a person has openness and says okay well this isn't my thing but um, maybe there's something here for me there's something right. I can do yeah. um, it's amazing the doors that God will open and and I, I forget how many uh, how many kids there were that gave their life to Christ at that camp, but there was I, a lot of them. I think we had 140 kids registered, and there were like 30 or 40 went forward the first night. Wow. It was actually the second night. First night is always housekeeping, you know, don't do this, don't do that, this will get you kicked out. Yeah. The second night, actually John Van Beesbrook spoke. And, I remember that. Uh, and yeah. he, he talked about how his brother um, had tried to make the U.S. Olympic team in hockey and he got cut and uh, he took his own life. And that really, uh, that resonated with the kids. And, you know, coming from a, a former pro, he's a really great goaltender. Um, you know, just everything just led up to uh, these 30 or 40 kids. I forget the number. Numbers don't matter, but it was a lot of kids. Yeah. And one of the pros actually um, came forward and said, I've been faking it and I want to accept Christ as my Savior. And, wow. And I'll never forget Kevin's reaction when he was hauling the equipment out and uh, putting it in the car and I said that was pretty cool and he goes yeah let's do this again tomorrow night <laughs> so so that was pretty neat and that you know that was an instant bond for Kevin and, and myself like uh, you know I came over to work at New Song um, as a, you know as a member but also helping with the youth and I just remember it being so tough uh, and I remember it smelled like a bar, and like I, I couldn't stand the it smell. It did in the yeah, early years. It smelled like a bar. Yep. 
and uh, but you know once you experience what God was doing there and still is doing there yeah it's uh, it has a sweet perfume yeah and um, it's it's been an amazing experience it's uh, you know we've been hanging around there for a lot of years so yeah. uh, so Bill you you had a, um, a long career in uh, working in television and and uh, all the various aspects related to that um, you know and and I'd be interested to know um, everything starts somewhere and uh, you were a kid growing up in Essex Ontario yeah. um, your family moved to London Ontario and uh, it was in London that uh, sort of the idea that hey maybe this is, is something you could do talk about sort of the early days of uh, getting into the television industry. It was an industry too. It was, yeah. Um, yeah, we moved to London out of Essex. London was a population around 200 and something thousand and um, I was going to Essex High School and I just finished playing playing football. After football season, we, uh, my dad moved to, moved to Solo London. He went into the insurance business which is the worst place to, to move if you're starting insurance because there's more insurance people there than in, per square inch than anywhere in the world, I think. <laughs> but um, so he took me the very first day uh, to a high school that was around the corner and they said, you can't go here because it's an academic school and you're technical. So you have to go to Beale Tech, which is downtown. To me, that was like, you know, it might have, might as well been Timbuktu. Like it was yeah. so far away, being from a small town. Now you're in downtown city. Yeah. Yeah. Going yeah. to high school. Yeah. So my dad drops me off at Beale Tech because he had an appointment, and so I walk up the stairs. I have no idea what I'm doing. I go in the office and they register me. And my very first class was three phase motors. They were rewiring three phase motors. And my electricity class at Essex High School was wiring doorbells. And I'm like, I'm lost. I'm done. I don't know what I'm going to do. And so I thought, well, I'm going to play football and hockey and hockey or basketball, depending on if I make the team. And then I'm going to quit. So I was about to quit. And a notice went up on the bulletin board. They were starting a television arts and broadcasting course. And I thought, well, yeah, I'll jump in and just goof around and meet some girls and uh, then I'll quit. And they had a, a studio, a TV studio at Beale Tech in London in the mid 60s. And so they finally started a course and I walked into the studio and I thought, yep, this is what I'm doing. And uh, so that was 1971, I think it was. <laughs> and I'm still involved with television production, video production. What, what, um, what are some of the, the various kinds of um, positions and, and roles you've, you've played with television and I've video done, production? I've yeah. done everything except sing the national anthem, I think, at, uh, at a TV station. You know, I was in production, I was a director, 
Um, actually, uh, I think it was the youngest director that they had ever hired, but actually started at uh, CKNX in Wingham. And uh, I was up there for about a year. And uh, then a job opened in, at, at uh, CFPL TV in London. And uh, I got it as a lighting, lighting guy. The guy I replaced actually went out to do lighting for the beachcombers on uh, Seashell Island out in, uh, near Vancouver. So, um, studio, you know, lighting, the whole bit. Actually, um, while I was bringing my kids up, I went into sales because they were making really good money. <laughs> and uh, I thought I'd try my hand at sales. I did that for a while. That's how I got transferred to Windsor, Ontario as a sales rep. I opened up the new station in Windsor. And uh, I always had a yearning to have my own production company and um, kind of get out of the broadcast end of it. And so I started Stone Throw Studios in um, about year 2000 and uh, just doing independent production and, and uh, had an opportunity to uh, go to the Olympics in 2010 and that was just god math because you know you look at my resume I didn't really really even qualify considering all the the great camera people and great production people there are out there but um, my wife said so you're not even going to try to put an application in I thought yeah okay I better so I sent an application into uh, um OBS, which is Olympic Broadcast Services, and they were in, they were in Vancouver at the time for the 2010 Olympics. And uh, I got a call like two weeks later, and they said, "We'll fly you out and have a chat with you." And so that was uh, that was pretty cool. You know, Bill, when whenever you are engaged in uh, being a videographer recording something um, you know there's probably all kinds of jobs you've done that that you don't even remember much about because it was just another job right yeah. but um, but there's something uh, about you that uh, has everything to do with God's call in your life it was part of the thing that when you got to retirement age and and you thought you know what I want to I want to uh, take the the talents I've been given, the experiences I've had, and I want to be able to um, uh, do something to the glory of God. Uh, you know, there's a there's an impact though. Though there's a camera uh, between you and the action that's happening, or the the person that's being interviewed, or the the, the people that you're watching. Uh, there's a there's something that happens to you as the watcher and then to sit back in your editing suite and uh, for hours and hours immerse yourself in what you've just seen and and so I just want to ask you about that about well, how does um, being there and recording it and looking to pat to edit and present things like how is that shaping uh, God's work in your life 
You know, I know the word vision is uh, a buzzword that's used in church circles and mission circles and stuff like that, but... Um, but it's literal for you. It, it is literal for me. Um, I see some stuff in, in slow motion. I know it's weird. And maybe it's because of my age. Everything's in slow motion, but... Um, you know, the power of sight and sound and motion combined and now you know God is the God of high definition he's a God of ultra high definition and sometimes we're too busy to be still and look at the colors and and watch people and and uh, translate that into into praise and I think that's what God's doing in my life is He's allowing me to see situations uh, or be in a situation with a camera and, and pick off that shot or, um, you know, when I'm interviewing somebody is to, is to uh, ask them a question that evokes an, an emotional and a spiritual response. And that's exciting for me because, um, you know, who to thunk it? I mean... I wanted to go to school to play play football and, and goof around and then somehow find a job. And and God had put me in this process of working at different TV stations and working in different functions, uh, you know, as a lighting guy. And back in the day when I learned lighting, we were, we were taught lighting by CBC standards, which used to be... Actually, the, their technical standards are still really high. And so we had the best training that you could get for that kind of stuff. And it really hasn't changed that much. I mean, the, the media, you know, the quality has changed and the way it's delivered has changed. But, you know, God's allowing us to see the world in high definition right now. Yeah, that's and, an incredible and, thing. You yeah. know, I, I think about... Uh, you know, around, was it 2010, the Vancouver Olympics you mentioned? Yeah. And uh, sometimes when you're on a shoot, uh, you're working as part of a crew or a team and and you have a, a very much patched in with others. Other times you're working, you know, more as an independent. Yeah. And, uh, but um, uh, talk about the the experience of being at the Vancouver Olympics that's uh, that's a global event and uh, you know to be a, a cameraman uh, what, 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 what were you shooting and um, what were some things that you were learning and seeing uh, as, how was God speaking to you while you were there that's a really good question and, and it's funny because I was probably the, in my opinion, the least equipped guy there in terms of experience in that. Um, and, you know, it wasn't always camera work. It was sometimes uh, pulling cables and uh, trying to configure the control rooms, stuff like that. And a lot of it was the setup that was, uh, that was tough. And there were some phenomenal camera people uh, there. I still see a couple of guys once in a while doing the major golf events and hockey, you know,
know, I see one guy, Craig, I see him doing the Boston Bruins games and stuff, and I'm like, I, I'm not worthy, you know. But the cool thing that happened at our venue at the Sliding Center was uh, there were kids there from Asbury College in Kentucky, and um, they they were being kind of pushed around a little bit, you know, like all oh, your college kids get out of my way. And were they working? They were doing like uh, contact training there, okay. and they were being paid. And uh, so I really kind of felt for them, and I, you know, I I noticed them at the lunch, like where we ate lunch, we had like 200 people on a venue. They sat together, and I noticed they were all praying. They would all say grace. So I went over and introduced myself to them, and so I kind of helped them out in their journey. Um, you know, doing the stuff they had to do and became friends. And I'm still friends with uh, a couple of them. And, you know, the, the really awful thing that happened there was uh, the very first day we were live, um, the, uh, it's hard for me to talk about, but the, yeah. the, uh, the, the jump, bobsled, the, the guy from uh, Georgia, uh, yeah. Nodar, he went off the track and got killed. Yeah. And we had walked the track a couple days before that with camera people and production people. And I remember I'm with Craig, this guy from Boston, and uh, and he said to me, I don't like that turn. It just went off. Like there was, you could see marks where the sleds had come very close to the edge. And we both looked at each other and thought, Oh, well, you know, like, what are we going to do? Very first morning, Nodar's dead. And I hadn't met him the night before. Wow. So, um, you know, we were sent home, and um, I had actually checked in when I got to Squamish, where I was staying with my son. I checked in the week before with a little church on 99 Highway called the Church on 99. And uh, I would worship there when I wasn't working. And... Uh, so I went right there and I said to the pastor, you need to talk me off the cliff here because, uh, you know, it's pretty heady. And uh, that's an important thing, too, is having contact with a church and a pastor. You yeah. know, like, that's so valuable. And, you know, they're there to pray with me. And, and then I was able to uh, witness and, and minister to the, the people who were reeling from that you know we had to go right back and do the job and uh, it was it was tough and there was a girl who was a freelancer from Toronto and she was on the camera right behind where Nodar came off and he'd hit a pole at 140 kilometers and she was her camera was right there so she had a couple days off and uh, I got together with the kids from the college, and we prayed. We prayed for her, yeah. and uh, I told her. I said, "I don't know what you're going through. I imagine it's pretty heady." But I said, "All these kids from Asbury, you're on a prayer list," and she she started to cry. So, wow. you know, right there, that's to me. Finding a finding a way to to bless somebody and to care for somebody. Yeah, 
you know, I'm not a pastor, but, you know, we're rubbing shoulders together, Yeah. you know, so. Well, you, you, it's interesting when we sign on with God for vision, um, sometimes uh, it, there's, a, there's a pull because we can see something in the spirit. There's, yeah. a, there's a purpose, there's a meaning. Uh, that that compels us to go be among, to to do what we're called to do. Yeah. Uh, but vision also includes sometimes uh, seeing in high definition things that you don't want to see. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and so talk about you know some other um, experiences uh, where uh, you know being being a uh, producer you've uh, seen things heard things uh, been face to face with things and uh, maybe some other uh, urban centers you know where uh, where have you felt some impacts um, I had an opportunity to go with a, uh, a missions team is a medical missions team to uh, Panama right and uh, it was Mission Clinics International out of Detroit, and I had a connection there. And so they were uh, building a, a medical center, a church, and a rec recreation center. It looked like a big arena. Um, just uh, about 50 miles from the Colombian border. It was in the jungle, and so. Um, I went there and uh, it broke my heart. Yeah. Um, the Kuna and the Embra tribes, um, beautiful, beautiful people, but they can't get health care. I mean, they had one ambulance for 500 square miles. Wow. And it had one little oxygen tank in it. And so Dr. Moore was. Uh, the doctor, he worked at Detroit Medical Center, and uh, he he was an amazing young man. He learned Spanish in record time. He would set up these clinics where hundreds of people would come in and, you know, get stitches or get well baby care, or they'd handle free eyeglasses that these optometrists would throw in the garbage or whatever. and. And um, there's a good example of vision, right? Yeah, you know, absolutely. Uh, here's yeah. a guy living in Detroit, working in a big hospital in Detroit. Uh, in the you ER. know, probably paid well, probably um, you know, able to um, live a very meaningful, comfortable life. Yeah. And yet, vision. Uh, goes beyond the city that he's in. It goes to uh, the remotest of places. Yeah. And uh, so, what was uh, what was? I mean, you mentioned it was heartbreaking. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Um, what else uh, spoke to you on that trip? Well, it was neat on Sundays. He had uh, managed to. Uh, Build. It's like an arena, but it just had the the uh, the, the uh, beams up and it had a roof, and they had a church service there on Sunday morning, and there were probably four four hundred people there, 
and they came on horseback, they came on mules, they came on motorcycles, they walked, and when they sang, and they had a baptism there, and when people came forward for salvation, they dunked them right away. They <laughs> baptized them right away. And um, I interviewed, and this is, this is God, I interviewed a lady who had lost her daughter, and I interviewed her in Spanish, and I didn't know what she was saying, and I had to have it translated, but God basically, he did the interview. All I did was point the camera, and uh, just the work that was being done there, um, and when I saw all these people show up for church and the little kids had these rinsel white shirts on, they live in the jungle. And, you know, I wept. Like they spend hours coming to church. They walk, you know, they, they get on the, these rickety old buses. And it's, I don't know, it, it just, floored me. I thought, you know, where is my faith? Yeah, the vision always causes us to, to see uh, things that we never saw before or we only saw shadows of. Yeah. So with uh, Sidewalk Skyline podcast, uh, I'm, I haven't done an actual count, but I think probably about two-thirds of the episodes have had video contact tent. The other third were audio only. And then, of course, through the pandemic years, uh, we didn't get uh, a whole lot of uh, video shoots as much as we would have liked to. I had more recorded Zoom calls with guests. Yeah. Uh, but we've been on some fun road trips together. Uh, we've, oh, yeah. A couple times uh, we've done uh, recordings at the Our City Toronto Conference. Uh, we were into um, uh, Toronto and Hamilton uh, to do some. We've, we've done some shoots in, in Windsor where we would set up your gear and any kind of ad hoc studio, any kind of empty room we could set, set up in, we would do it. Uh, but uh, let's talk about some of your memories um, of guests that we've had on the podcast. Uh, many times I'm taking you to meet people you've never met before. Yeah. And uh, at the same time that you're recording them, you're also hearing who they are and, and what, what they're all about. And so are any of the guests that kind of... Um, you know, two or three maybe that yeah. that over the three years uh, really kind of stood out in in your mind. I gotta say the the first one's Bob Gal. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, you know, he's unforgettable. He's Bob a phenom. Gal. He yeah. he's so in love with God. He's so in love with Jesus and. He's got such wisdom, and um, you know, he came to New Song uh, 
a number of a couple of times, I think, and uh, just the effect he has on people when we have communion and he prays with them, he prays over them, and and uh, you know he really resonated with me. And he really brings a, a deep sense of uh, Jesus' presence, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. And, you know, we, I think that was maybe the first one we did. Uh-huh. Uh, we did it in a uh, recording, uh, actually a, an audio studio. Yeah. Yeah. And he was hilarious. I mean. All the stories. Oh, the stories. Uh, you know, it, it's just, uh, you know, uh, he's probably number one. Yeah, his his hearse with a uh, coffin turned into a baptismal tank. Well, it's a homemade baptismal tank. It looks like a coffin. (laughs) His double bumper Hummer uh, prayer station. Yeah. Yeah. And just his ability to speak Jesus into people, you know, and... and, uh, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Bob He's, yeah. yeah, Bob, I've, we've had him on more than once because uh, he's got more than one thing to say. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anybody else that uh, kind of, um, what, you know, had a, yeah. had a, some kind of an impact on, on you personally? I think Kelly Franklin. Kelly Franklin, yeah. yes. I mean, she's like out there, but... You know the work she had done with uh, with young women and uh, human trafficking, human trafficking yeah. and and Anti- her own anti-human trafficking. Yeah, 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 and her own life story, where you know she was she was a bad little girl. You know, I mean, yeah. So and yeah. How, how God can change somebody, it's you know it, it never ceases to amaze me how He can take somebody who. It's destined. They're going to hell in a jet, basically, according to the world. And God can say, "No, no, you're not. Yeah. I got, I got you." You know. And yeah. I think the the most I've ever laughed was when we went to Stone Church and we interviewed Chris Chris Chase. Chase. Oh my goodness. I cr- I was cry laughing. Like yeah. he he's one of these kids that. You know, when you're in school, they have to keep telling him to sit down, you know. But, uh, oh, yeah, that was, uh, that was fun. That was, uh, that was a great interview. And, you know, I, I, it's a privilege for me to, to get to know all these, these folks. And, and you know, the, the one common denominator is that we all love the Lord, you know. And so there's no... You know, looking at each other and say, "Oh, who do you think you are?" It's like you're God's child, and so am I. So let's get some content here. You know, yeah. And, uh, yeah. It's it's been an amazing journey. And yeah. what what about uh, the uh, two rounds we've had of our city Toronto conference? Uh, um, any uh, any special memories or thoughts related to uh, those gatherings? The food, I think. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> you know they don't just go go down to the Kentucky Fried Chicken and order food for the staff. They they get food from all over the world, and you yeah. know that shouldn't be number one. It's not number one. Of course it's not. But, but it, it's an essential part of every good road trip. Amen. You know what? Amen. You know, and, and uh, if you know TV or film crews, um, 
they base their, their shoots on the availability of food, free food. So, um, yeah, uh, it's an it's amazing place. It really is. Like, uh, I'm I'm struck with the amount of variety and ministry that's happening in the city, and I don't think the average churchgoer knows what really goes on, you know, and um, I, I, I think that's probably the thing that, it's overwhelming at, at first to think, well, how does all this get done? But there are people in the trenches in the city, and uh, it's such a great example for all of us to, to say, you know, I might not have this skill, but I can do this, or uh, I can't, I'm not a great preacher, but I can come alongside somebody and, and feed them, or, uh, you know, I can be their friend and speak to them. And, uh, uh, yeah, that's that's a great conference, it really is. Yeah. Hey, um, you know, I, I think it would be good to talk a bit about uh, the, the project that in Windsor that you've um, uh, embarked on uh, around addiction and, and uh, talk a bit about, uh, again, the, the whole theme I think in our conversation here is, is vision and how what you see um, goes inside and affects you. And uh, so talk yeah. about, about that project. Yeah, that was... Uh... I actually saw a video, kind of a poorly done video, on administering Nox, Nox, Naxalone, Naxalone, Narcan, whatever. Yeah, yeah Narcan. different names. Yeah. And uh, it was really poorly done, and so I got the tug, and I, I phoned the lady, got in touch with her. her name was Lisa Valente, and she's got the biggest heart. Uh, former addict, and. She's just trying to teach people how to, you know, keep somebody from dying from doing yeah. an overdose. So we went, we had a meeting, and God just tore my heart out, you know. Um, Lisa had started this organization called um, Stop the Harm, Family Stop the Harm. And I said, is there a way that we can get former addicts, people in recovery together and just tell their story. And she said, absolutely. So she organized like 20 people. I phoned Kevin and said, can we use New Song? Because it just seems to be a natural, it's it's naturally where you want to go, right? And and a lot of people had been there. They'd been through New Song or they knew of New Song. and yeah, A lot knew, of 12-step meetings yeah. at the church. Yeah. yeah. And so we did probably about 15 interviews in the church, shot it in high definition. And I wept. Like when I was editing these things, just the, just the hurt and the being out of control and trying to, trying to get your life back. So on one side of the, the fence there was that, but on the other side of the fence were how they loved each other and how they care for each other and how they'd been ministered to um, by other addicts. And, and it's, it's hard for me to, 
talk about it a little bit. I've got skin in the game. I have a son that's uh, struggling with coke right now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I, I, I think God uses those situations so that you have a, a complete understanding of where these people are. And I don't know how many times when I was behind the camera, I had tears flowing down my face. And Is there um, any of the people that uh, kind of had stuck to your heart? Yeah. A lot of them did, but any in yeah. particular that you want to talk about? Um, one of these interviews uh, hit home, I think, more than um, most of them. And it was a trans woman who had uh, just uh, changed. Transitioned, yeah. Transitions is the word, I guess, uh, to a woman from a man. And the struggles that, you know, that caused and the angst and, and the, sh the shame that she was uh, experiencing. And um, she had an addiction and uh, she was trying to be an advocate for uh, you know, trans people and um, uh, her story really really hit me hard because I, I don't understand it but I want to and I, I didn't really have a lot to offer her and, and I, I felt bad about that but all I did was just love her as a child of God uh, and so, you know, we joked around about a few things, and uh, um, her story was really, really strong, and it made an impact on me because I think we all have our own biases and and uh, you know thoughts about transgenderism, but they're still God's children, right? They're yeah. still God. They to God and so your would you say that in that instance your sense of mercy um, uh, overshadowed your sense of judgment yeah yeah that's a that's a really good way to put it and um, she thanked me we we put that up on uh, on the internet up on uh, this website and she she thanked me for doing that. And she was very, very good. She had uh, some really good points um, about the struggle with addiction and the struggle of changing her gender. And that's something I never wanted to be confronted with, but God put it right in my face. Yeah. And it's about where the rubber hits the road. Like you can can act out your faith or you can ignore that person and uh, I'm glad that that she was there I'm glad I heard her story and I'm glad I was able to tell people about it so that was that was a toughie well that was a that was a good supper uh, you can't beat husky yeah it was really good yeah and uh, apparently the sun went down while we were enjoying our supper. But what's, uh, what's, what's up with that? I know. <laughs> well, I got one more question for you. Uh oh. 
and uh, just uh, it seems like we're uh, digging deep into this whole idea of vision and um, you know there's um, after spending um, you know your adult life uh, behind the camera looking through the lens uh, having that that sense of vision uh, what would you say to uh, maybe other people that are at the front end looking to get engaged in uh, in media work uh, I mean the, the the whole all of the technologies have changed significantly but there's some core things that never go away right, right. and um, so um, yeah just uh, share your heart a bit what would you say to people that are uh, working in in media today well, I don't think the, uh, the advice has changed. Um, just be sincere, be truthful, and be honest about what you're doing. I mean, there's so much trickery that goes on with special effects and that. Um, you know, the, the, the salient, the lovely, um, you know, God's a high-definition God, and right. there are opportunities to proclaim uh, to people the good news, and we have an opportunity to do it in high-definition and, and uh, beautiful sound, and I would say... Except, that, except maybe for this podcast, which yeah, I'm recording yeah. on my iPhone... Exactly. With a selfie stick? Yeah. But, yeah. And cut. <laughs> um, if you're, if you want to get involved in doing media or doing production, um, make sure that you're in love with what you're doing. Yeah. Make sure that if you have a message, the message is something that will help someone and uh, encourage them and educate them especially when it comes to the things of God um, as I said you know God loves beauty he created he created the earth he created all this beauty we have we have an opportunity to show it off in super high definition so right. Toss away the garbage. Uh, do something that will uh, glorify God. Right. And he'll never let you down. You know, uh, look through his eyes when you're looking through the viewfinder. And I, like, without a doubt, just about every time I say, Lord, let me be your eyes. And show me the things that I need to shoot, things that need to be explained um, or brought forward to an audience. And uh, he never lets you down. Like, he'll show you things um, that a lot of times I'm like, wow, that just happened. So, you know, take your gift and give it to the Lord, offer it up to him, 
and let him work with your creativity. Because he he's a creative God. That's so good. That's so good, Bill. And, uh, you know, we, um, we're going to get some good content the next couple days uh, from some exciting people in Peterborough. And uh, just uh, great to have you alongside in this uh, journey of Sidewalk Skyline podcast. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll be back real soon with some more exciting episodes. Thanks for watching. See you then. Well, Bill and I's road trip to Peterborough turned out to be a very productive couple days. We were able to capture several interviews with uh, people in Peterborough, um, and uh, that'll uh, keep us uh, going to the end of the year for episodes. Uh, on the next ep episode, we're going to talk with Graham Gibson. Graham is a professor at uh, Master's College and Seminary and spent uh, several years uh, back and forth into Peterborough and uh, has uh, students that are involved in understanding uh, Canada as a mission field. And so he's got some great insights to share, including uh, years of uh, work that he's invested with uh, Indigenous uh, Canadians as well. So uh, join us again. Uh, on the next episode of Sidewalk Skyline Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Rogers. <laughs>